This time I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to the Gospel according to Luke, Luke chapter 2. I'll be reading verse 1 to verse 20. In this evening's service, we'll be looking at verses 21 uh, to verse 38. But this morning, we'll pay attention to uh, verses 1 to 20. If you're using a pew Bible, that can be found on page 1018. Then following the reading of God's word, we're going to turn in the, to the catechism. Lord's Day 14, in the Forms and Prayer book that is on the pew before you, to page 215. But we'll get to that after the reading of God's word. Let's now hear the word of the Lord. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered, at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. Thus far the reading of God's holy word, I invite you to turn in the Forms and Prayers book to page 215, Lord's Day 14. We've looked at Lord's Day 12, 11, 12, 13, and now this morning 14. Remember, we look at why is he called Jesus? He is Savior. And then Lord's Day 12 was why is he called Christ anointed? And then last week, why is he called the only begotten Son or the one and only Son, our Lord? And this morning, we asked the question, what does it mean that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary? So, congregation, I'm going to ask the question, and please respond with the answer. Congregation of Christ, what does it mean that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary? 
that the eternal Son of God, who is and remains true and eternal God, took to himself through the working of the Holy Spirit from the flesh and blood of the Virgin Mary, a true human nature, so that he might also become David's true descendant, like his brothers in all things except for sin. How does the holy conception and birth of Christ benefit you? He is our mediator, and in God's sight, he covers with his innocence and perfect holiness my sin in which I was conceived. Let us go before our Lord in a time of prayer, asking for his blessing. Oh, Father in heaven, as we turn to your holy word, we pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see, that you would grant to us illumination, that you would grant to us an understanding of your word so that we may not only, not only hear your word, but believe it and walk in a manner worthy of the calling that is in Christ. Oh, Father, teach us, we pray. Feed us true spiritual food and drink. For in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, many of you probably heard of the name Larry King. He was a well-known um, TV personality of a talk show host, Larry King Live. And many years ago, I think it was 1990, when People Magazine interviewed Larry King. He was on the other side of the microphone this time. And People Magazine asked him a question. Now remember, Larry King was a Jew, and he somewhat honored the Jewish tradition. He had a familiarity with the Jewish Torah, the law of God. The interviewer asked Larry, if you could select one person across all of history to interview, who would it be? Interestingly, Larry King said this, Jesus. Really? Why would you interview Jesus? Well, Larry King said, I would ask him if he believed, if he believed that he was born of virgin birth. Because whatever the answer is, changes or reinforces the world. That's what Larry King said. He would ask Jesus if he believed that he was born of a virgin birth. Because Larry King somehow knew that if that was the case, it had ramifications or implications for the rest of the world. Now, he didn't expand on that or what that meant, but it's interesting, isn't it? It's an interesting question and interesting response to that question. Who would you interview Jesus? Why? Because I want to ask him about the virgin birth. For one, if he knew about it or what he thought about it, well, obviously he's the eternal son of God, so he knew God's divine plan before the foundations of the world were created. But for some reason, he understood that the implications of it were great. Aren't they? Aren't they, Christian? Aren't the implications of the virgin birth great? Aren't they life-transforming, life-changing? The birth of Christ to the Virgin Mary came to pass, and its impact upon sinful human beings is profound and great. And I need only to say, look in your own heart. 
Ponder in your own heart why this biblical truth is so great. Not only is it life-changing for sinful human beings, but doesn't it change cultures and societies? You think about the barbarians in northern Europe who were transformed by the gospel. You think about the people of the east who were transformed by the gospel. So yeah, the gospel, the virgin birth, has life-transformative implications. It came to pass there are many profound points to this passage. The main theme is the birth, the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there are many subpoints here. There are many themes that are drawn from this text. And this morning, I want to look at the historical nature of this glorious birth, virgin birth of the Lord Jesus. The birth of Christ came to pass. Why? Because throughout this passage, we have this phrase, came to pass. And in a lot of translations, it's not translated as such. But it's there. It's there. The birth of Christ came to pass. And its implications are great. Look only in your own hearts and lives. And how the Lord transformed you, Christian. We want to look first this morning at the Lord ordains the events for the birth of Christ. Look at me in your Bible at chapter 2, verse 1. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. It actually could be translated literally. It came to pass in those days. In other words, there was a historical point in time. A historical point in time when this event came to pass. When the Lord God brought all these events together. This is really profound, this teaching of Scripture. Brought all the events together in human history at a point in time when the virgin birth should occur. Because according to God's providence, Caesar Augustus ordered a census. Did he just happen to order a census? Is it by luck that this occurred? Each household had to go to the place of his house and family of origin to register. Oftentimes in censuses, that wasn't the case. You can just send a note or something, send a, a messenger. But in this case, they had to go to their place of origin, their family of origin, to the city in which their family came. Did this just happen? And so it came to pass that Caesar Augustus decreed a census. It came to pass that each household had to go to that place to register. And in this case, it's Joseph, as we see in our passage. 
at verse 4, And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. A 90-mile journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Mary is almost ready to give birth, women. Your doctor would say, are you kidding me? You're not going anywhere. You'll probably give labor on the way to Bethlehem. The tough and rigorous road ahead of you can cause serious physical problems. Today, doctors wouldn't recommend such a thing, especially when a woman is late in her third trimester. And let's remember the road of trans- or mode of transportation in those days. She may have been on a donkey or a mule, bumping along 90 miles. Ouch. But God is merciful and protects the child in the womb. She didn't give birth on the road to Bethlehem. The birth of Christ came to pass at a particular point, in a particular time in history, in a particular town or city, the city of David. And the emperor's purposes ultimately served the purposes of God's salvation plan. And I think we can often miss that when we read the birth narrative that God ordained these events to come to pass. God worked through human beings, through individuals, so that the Christ child would be birth, uh, born in Bethlehem. Even in Matthew chapter 2, when wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, they said, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people. He inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet, the prophet Micah. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. The ruler being King Jesus. He will be born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem, the house of bread. Because he will be the bread of life. He will be the son of David. He will be king of kings and lord of lords. 500 years before the coming of Christ, it was prophesied that there would be a point in time in history When this child will be born, the ruler of the world will be born in the city of David. And it came to pass, verse 6, And while they were there, the time came. For while they were there, it came to pass. It came to pass for her to give birth. 
It came to pass that there was no guest room left. It was probably packed with all the people coming in for the census. And so he's born in a somewhat of a cattle stall or maybe a cave that held animals, but they laid him in a trough, an animal trough, a manger. This is no place for a king, but this is how the king of kings came into the world. We have to remember why the eternal son of God who dwelt in eternal glory and majesty came into the world. Because of his poverty, we have become rich. He came into the world in poverty. He came into the world in humiliation. So that by his poverty, you and I, Christian, become rich. Rich in faith. Rich in hope. Rich in eternal life. Oh, it came to pass. When the Christ child was born. In some obscure small town born in poverty. And he did it for us in our salvation. He did it for us in our salvation. The Lord ordains the events for the birth of the Christ. The virgin birth of the Christ. Oh, how the Lord puts all these pieces together. So wonderfully and beautifully for our salvation and for his glory. Well, secondly, the Lord sends his messengers to announce the birth of Christ. This too, it came to pass. Verse 8, and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field. Literally, in the same region there were shepherds lodging in the field. Why do I mention that? They too... We're lodging out in an area where there was no substantive shelter under them or above them. They were in makeshift tents. They were despised among the people. They were frowned upon. They were considered ceremonially unclean. And this is who the Lord chooses to send his messenger, an angel of the Lord. To reveal good news of great joy. These shepherds were in a nearby field tending to their flock. And it's very likely that these shepherds were tending a flock meant for the sacrifices at the temple. And the angels are angels about to announce to them good news. That the true shepherd, the good shepherd, the chief shepherd, the head shepherd of his people is born. Come and see. It came to pass that God chose his messenger to, to them and not to Caesar Augustus, not to the high priest or the scribe, not to Quirinius, not to any other, but shepherds. You see, Luke has a thing for the downcast and outcast in society. He loves to talk about how the Lord works through women. He loves to talk about how the Lord cares for the poor, the widow and children, the orphan. 
Luke loves to talk about God's mercy and grace to those who are poor in spirit. To those whom society looks at and despises. But we see that today, don't we? The self-righteousness of society. God looks upon the humble servants of his, and he has mercy, he has grace. He looked upon these shepherds, the least of these, and he sends a messenger to announce good news. You know, Jesus, in his earthly ministry, came to seek and to save the lost. That was his mission, to seek and to save the lost. He came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Why should it be any different at his birth? Why should it be any different at his birth to have people like shepherds, outcasts, those of whom Jesus would have gone to when he was in his earthly ministry? They come to him even at his birth. They see the glorious presence of the angel and they fear. Because when you saw an angel in those days, there were two responses. You either were scared out of your wits because you thought you were going to be judged. Was this an angel of judgment or was this an angel of mercy? And the angel immediately responds saying, fear not. Fear not. I'm an angel who brings you good news. Good news of great joy. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you, shepherds, is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is called Christ the Lord. I bring you good news. You, shepherds, you, sinner, I bring you good news of great joy. You who are alienated from God, I bring you good news of great joy. You who have no, find yourself having no meaning in life, no purpose in life, despised. I bring you good news of great joy. The Savior, Christ the Lord, is born. Come and see. I dare to say that there are some here who need to come to Jesus, need to turn from their sin and turn to the King and Lord Jesus Christ. You will know great joy when you turn to him in faith. You will know forgiveness of sins because this child is given for you and for all the people, Jew and Gentile, not just the Jews. He came to save his people, shed his blood for his sheep from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation to make a people for himself. The birth of the Christ child came to pass. And it is great news of great joy for you and me. Have you taken time to reflect upon this virgin birth? 
Have you taken time to reflect upon this and what it means for you as a Christian? If there is no virgin birth, if it did not come to pass, you and I would be utterly lost, helpless and hopeless. If there is no virgin birth, there is no word become flesh and dwelt among us. If there is no word that became flesh and dwelt among us, there is no true God and true man. If there is no true God and true man, then there's only a man. And man cannot save sinful man. We need the God-man. We need Jesus, who is true God, true man, who came into this world through a virgin birth. That's why it's important. That's why it's important. And the Lord sends his angel, his messenger, to announce this good news that your king has come. Your king has come. Have you submitted to him? Do you trust in him? Do you follow your king? Is he Lord of your life, or are you Lord of your own life? This requires that we humble ourselves, that God humbles us by his spirit and word, so that we acknowledge our brokenness and sin, and that only through our Lord Jesus Christ we have a hope, we have joy, the joy of the spirit. Thirdly, the Lord makes known the birth of Christ. The Lord makes known the birth of the Christ. It has come to pass, and the Lord makes it known. Verse 12, look with me in your Bible. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, literally, and suddenly it came to pass. Suddenly it came to pass. Like that, again, at a point in history, it came to pass when these angels accompanied this one angel and they glorified and praised God. As the scriptures teach, the angels, even, you know, even the angels longed into the coming of the Son of God. Did you know that? Scripture teaches that. The angels longed to know this great mystery of the incarnation, that God should take on human flesh and dwell among sinners. And they do what? They praise and glorify God before even talking about the blessing of it to man. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among those with whom he is well pleased or on whom his favor rests. They first give glory to God before they, take, they speak about the peace upon man. God's peace upon us. They declare. They make known God's peace upon sinners with whom he is well pleased. They make known his favor upon his flock. His sheep who are called by his name from all the peoples, all the nations. 
all those who trust in the Son of God and Son of Man. For he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. He who has the Son has peace and joy and comforts. And the Lord confirms this message through his angels with a sign. He makes known the birth of Christ with a sign pointing them to the whereabouts of where this Christ child is. Verse 15. When the angels went away from them, the shepherds said to, the, said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. Literally, verse 15, it came to pass when the angels went away from them in heaven, into heaven. It came to pass. God is making it very clear that these events have come to pass historically, really, truly come to pass. So that we can have confidence, hope, and assurance that what God's word says is true. And it is true for the angels. It is true for the shepherds. It is true for us. It is true for Mary and Joseph. This has come to pass. And the angels went away into heaven and the shepherds say, come on, let's go. That can be a literal translation there. Come on, let's go. What are we waiting for? Interesting, you notice that, and we've probably read this so many times, they don't talk about what happened to the flock. Who's watching the flock? They're like, come on, let's go, because what's more important? Going to see the Christ child who is King and Lord, or the flock? I don't know, maybe. They just all left. God will take care of it. Well, let's go. You see what great news of great joy does to the Christian? You see what it does? Does that evoke a response in you? What is your attitude towards worship? What is your attitude towards knowing and loving your God and Father through Jesus Christ our Lord? What is your attitude toward the things of God, to the things of his word? What is your attitude, Christian, towards these things? Does God in Christ evoke a wonder and awe in your soul, a joy inexpressible in your soul that causes you to worship him? Sure hope so. I have to check myself. I have to check myself. Roberto, what does a virgin birth mean to you? Are you treasuring up and pondering these things in your heart and mind? Do you see the extent to which God went for your salvation so that you can be brought to the Father through Christ our Lord? So that nothing, no one can separate you from his love. Do you see this? How then shall you live then, Roberto? How then shall you live your life? For yourself? Or for him who loved us and died for us? Come on, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go. 
Let's go see this thing that has happened to us. Literally, this thing that came to pass. This thing that came to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. There was a sign that pointed to the reality. They followed the order of the angel. They went and saw the sign in the manger, the baby, the Christ child. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. The angels made known to the shepherds of this great news with great joy, of great joy. And now the angels see it. They believe it, and what's the response? They then go out praising, glorifying God, telling others of the great things God has done. Oh, this evokes a response in us, Christian. This moves in us by His Spirit and Word a response. There is no such thing as dead Christianity. There is no such thing as playing religion when it comes to Christ. Christianity is a living faith, an active faith, a faith that ponders and reflects the things that God has made known to us by His Word and Spirit. We don't see, we didn't see the Christ child, we didn't even see His ministry, we didn't see with our eyes His death or resurrection. But God has made it known to us, has he not? He has made it known to us by his Holy Spirit and Holy Word so that we believe. That's why each and every one of us worship him because he has made it known to us. Verse 18, 19, and 20. Look with me in your Bible. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they heard and seen as it had been told them. The multitude of angels praised and glorified the Lord. Now those who heard the shepherds' testimony of the angels marveled. The the shepherds themselves praised and glorified God. What did Mary do? She pondered and marveled in her heart. You see, there are various responses to this gospel. There's a time to ponder and marvel and meditate and reflect, and there's a time to praise with your lips and stand in awe. The birth of Christ came to pass, and his coming demands a response. Treasure these truths and ponder them in your hearts. Praise and glorify God. Declare his praise among the nations. Declare his praise in your family among your kids, with your spouse. For God's one and only Son was born of a virgin and born under the law to redeem us from the curse of the law. He has come. The light of the world has come to dispel the darkness of sin, death, and hell, to dispel my misery, and to save me from God's wrath. And I respond in faith. I respond in praise and adoration. For he alone is worthy. Yes, he came once. Fast forward, he is coming again. 
as the author of Hebrews says, listen carefully. Listen carefully. Boys and girls, I want you to listen carefully what the Bible says here. Do I have your ears? Do I need to pull them, boys and girls? Listen carefully. He, that is Jesus, has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. He came once to deal with sin. Now listen to what, what the author of Hebrews says. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time. Not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Friends, that will come to pass. And are you ready? Either upon death, for it's appointed to man to die once, or should the Lord come again? At the last day, at the trumpet sound, at the voice of the archangel, and the dead of Christ are raised. Through faith and faith alone, we receive with the hand of our hearts God's gift of salvation. The birth of Christ came to pass. The first president of Princeton Theological Seminary was Archibald Alexander in 1812. A very brilliant man, theologically astute. Very well learned. And he was on his deathbed. Interestingly, I think I started this sermon series about talking about Messi being on his deathbed, that comment that I made in the first Advent series, what that soccer commentator said about him. I'm going to close about another deathbed story. So Archibald Alexander was on his deathbed he was talking to his friend, and he said this to his friend. All my theology, all my theology is reduced to this narrow compass. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. When you narrow everything down, why the virgin birth? Why did he come into the world? And when you're on your deathbed, all your theology is going to be reduced to that one truth. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. A sinner like me. Praise be to God for the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to God for the Lord Jesus Christ. And this man was just reiterating what, what Paul said. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am foremost.
But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life, to the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul's response to the simple truth that Jesus Christ came into the world through the virgin birth, through the Virgin Mary, is reduced to that one simple truth. He came into the world to save sinners. And he ends with a doxology, a word of praise to the King Eternal. You see why worship is so glorious? Why we sing to the Lord? Sing praises to the Lord? Pray words of praise to the Lord? Give prayers of thanksgiving to the Lord? That we live out our Christian our live out our Christian faith, pondering, treasuring, loving, and responding to this beautiful truth that God sent his one and only son, his one and only son, that whoever believes on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, we are so thankful that you are merciful and gracious and abounding in steadfast love. That you, oh, Father, would be perfectly just and right and true to judge all peoples and save none. But you, oh, Lord, have made promises Promises to redeem and restore and heal broken sinners, broken people. To show compassion upon those who are poor in spirit. And we, O oh Lord, your people have known your grace and mercy. And we, O oh Lord, respond in faith and in praise and adoration. May we, O oh Lord, seek to honor you and your Son, who sits at your right hand mediating for us. We may honor you and praise you, that we may be, O oh Lord, a witness and make known by our words and by our very lives what Christ has done for us the one who truly brings great joy into sinners who sorrow and who are heavy laden. Oh God, may you restore in us the joy of your salvation, for we pray this in Jesus' name.